0: Hallelujah. There's a good rule of thumb. Everything that we do in this life, if we do it under the glory of God, and that's the motivation of our hearts, (laughs) everything we do, God sees that. Yes. And when that's the motivation of our heart, God is pleased. Yes. Glory to God. Glory to God. I have a, an encouragement, small teaching around our offering this morning. And uh, I've even got, a, even got a heading for it. Faith speaks. Faith speaks. This is uh, Romans ten seventeen. 17. Uh, this is out of the Passion. Faith, then, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Now, you may have been more familiar with the New King James. Um, Romans 10, 17. Faith, then, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But this says, faith, then, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. So I want to read a little passage out of Luke. This is out of the Passion again. Uh, Luke, um, and this is from the anointed one. (laughs) This is his words. (laughs) Luke 6, 37 and 38. Jesus said, Forsake the habit of of criticising and judging others and you will not be criticised and judged in return. Don't condemn others and you will not be condemned. Forgive over and over and you will be forgiven over and over. Who knows that um, that's important because we don't always get it right and we need that forgiveness and we need to be giving it that's verse 37 jesus i believe here is he's just laying down there's three there's three things in there he's just laying down that this this happens you do this and that's what's coming back you do this that's what's coming back you do this that's what's coming back it's the spiritual law of sowing and reaping what you give out is what's being bundled up and returned to you. And then he goes into a little bit more um, detail in the next verse, verse 38, on this area. He says, Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. We've heard that example, you know, you've got a bag of stuff and it's going into a container and it's not quite there or you give it a shake It all settles down so you can put more in. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that will run over the top. The measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Now, ask yourself, do I believe that? Good start. Good start. But it doesn't stop there. We can, have a, we can have a mental ascent of, yeah, 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 I, I believe that. Because, you know, we've seen some of these things happen in, uh, in, in our experience. And we say, yep, yeah, yeah, okay, that's, I believe that. But 2 Corinthians 4.13, when Paul is writing, he says, we have the same spirit of faith that is described in the Scriptures when it says, first I believed, Then I spoke in faith. That's from Psalm 116, verse 10. So we also first believe and then speak in faith. We believe and then we speak in faith what we believe. I know there's some scriptures here. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Hebrews 11 verse 1. In the the New King James, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Passion says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for, so in the in those scriptures there's a there's you know there's there's faith being spoken about that's birthed in our heart, starts in our heart in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance to his word, what God says, and then there's the 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 our understanding of of sowing and reaping natural plant a seed grows produces more that comes from the spiritual law of sowing and reaping but then in that next uh next couple of verses we understand that that faith actually is something that is spoken so if we see read hear something from god's word and believe it that's a good start it's a great start but it only becomes faith as we speak it we can believe something in our heart and, and sometimes you know we use that expression mental assent." you know yeah i agree i agree with that that's fine that's good that's very important okay <laughs> that's a starting point but it becomes faith as we speak out what god says so we can believe for health, but speak sickness. That is not faith. We can believe for increase, but speak lack. That's not faith. Now, someone will say, well, I'm just speaking the truth. You know, uh, uh, that's, that's the position that I find myself, uh, that, that, that is, you know, that's the truth. It might be the present reality but it is not the truth. <laughs> Jesus said, your word is truth. God's word is truth. So what do you do when you find yourself in a, in a, in a, a present reality? That's what I'll call it that doesn't line up with the truth. Well, well, what do you want? <laughs> do you want the present reality or do you want the promise of God that he declares in his word? And if that's where we want to get, well, then we have to. Faith, then, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. So what do we do? We get, We get the truth of the Word of God, and we just plough that into this heart. We plough it into our heart by you putting it on our lips. And we know we've, we've heard before the most powerful voice that you will ever hear, the one that has the most influence on you, on your heart, is yours. That's the connection God has made. Mouth to ear. What you say, you know, you could get someone up here saying whatever they like, and you say, "Hey, I agree with that." But then, if you go out and say something contrary to that, that's the most powerful voice. Yeah. Yeah. Philippians four, verse nineteen says, "My God shall supply all my needs <laughs> according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus." <laughs> my God shall supply all my needs. According to His riches in glory, <laughs> God is not lacking. <laughs> God will never run out. <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God. And you say, "Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what what scriptures to to quote." <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> I get a little bit frustrated <laughs> if ever I hear that. 'Cause you know, we live in an information age, don't we? <laughs> it is so easy. <laughs> um, as much as I'm, I'm not a fan of technology <laughs> as has been pointed out sometimes, um, it's very easy to do a Google search on scripture. <laughs> we have got we have got a library over there. And in that library, there are some books written about health, about what God wants to do for you, what He's made available for you. Oh, but I'd have to go and I'd have to go and have a look and see what was over there. Oh, yeah, probably. And then I'd have to read it. Mm, yeah, 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 That's it. That's it. Yeah. Turn off the Netflix. Read a book glory to god and when we do that when when we actually avail ourselves of the resources that 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 we have i mean you know you can do your google search then get into the scripture and then read it and read it and read it and read it that's a that's a really easy that's a lazy sorry no that's i use it it's it's a good starting point it's a resource and then get into scripture put it on your lips because Psalm 103 verse 20 says, "Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, <laughs> who do His word." Heeding <laughs> sorry, <laughs> heeding the voice of His word. We do have angelic help. We have angelic help. They're waiting. Sometimes I think they're twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. So're just waiting, waiting to hear what? faith then is birthed in the heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one our response to God's anointed utterance is to put his words the anointed one's words on our lips and what are the angels waiting for (laughs) bless the Lord you whose angels who excel in strength who do his word heeding the voice of his word you speak it they're listening and their job is to bring it about. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. So if you are giving, um, hard stuff is our little post box up there and our um, our website has, um, has details to give online. Hallelujah! let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, that is such a, a tool that you've given us. Lord, to bring about a reality that might be different than the one that we're experiencing, a one that lines up with the truth of your word. So, Father, give us that, that, uh, that tenaciousness, Lord, just to dig into your word, Lord, to find those things that you've promised because your word is promise and Lord, to put that on our lips and just see you work. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Good, good. Good morning. Good morning. Can I have slightly more volume? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm very excited to be here, I don't know about you. I'm very happy to be to get the opportunity to to bring the word this morning. And I was um I was preparing it during the week, and thought I knew what was coming out. And then on Friday night, I was preparing again, and God gave me something completely different that I had not prepared. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but I believe that um, He, we know He is growing His church, and we know that we are His church individually. And then collectively together. And that what he has for us this morning is going to do just that. It's going to help us grow. And growth, funnily enough, actually a key part of growth is change. <laughs> you can't grow without something changing. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. Both are linked, intrinsically linked. But I want to talk this morning a little bit about uh, focus and expectation. And specifically, when it comes to our involvement in church, what are we focusing on and what are we expecting from this, this gathering together? It's so easy to just go through life making decisions, taking steps, living life, but not actually knowing why you're making the decisions that you're making. Has anyone found themselves in that position before? You're like, you're just doing without thinking, without knowing why you're doing, <laughs> until maybe you talk to someone. And they go, why'd you do that? And you're like, uh, I have no idea. I actually have no idea. Why'd you react like that? I don't know. I'm just angry. <laughs> I'm just upset. I don't know. I don't know why I reacted like that. So this tr- easily transfers into church, easily. We can we can often come in here and go, man, I'm just, I'm just doing, you know? I'm not thinking about what, what the design is. I'm not thinking about why. I'm just here and I'm just doing. I'm just doing what I know to do. And so hopefully this morning we can unpack a little bit about what the Word says and get a little bit of uh, courage about us and look at why. Why do we do what we do? What are we focusing on? What is our expectation when we come together here?
2: Hmm.
1: Dad, um, I was speaking last last week, and if you haven't listened to that sermon, it was a great. Uh, great platform for this one to come from. But he was speaking about... Each of us have a way of viewing life and viewing what's true and a filter that we pass things through to interpret them. Um, and we can almost guarantee that in in every situation that we come come into that there is some natural wisdom, some earthly wisdom that's contributing to what we believe and what we think. That's just, that's going to happen. Um, and, and Dad laid out some really good... Uh, Ways that we can grow in heavenly wisdom and we can seek that. Um, those were, one, to ask God. <laughs> He's the one that gives. Two, make love the central element. Love needs to be at the center. And three, feed on what God has for us. So this is where I'm, where I'm starting from. Let's get some spiritual wisdom about us. So, the word in, let's turn to uh, James, 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 number chapter 1. James 1. I'm going to read from verse 23. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." Here, the, the passage is describing the word, which is the perfect law of liberty, as a mirror. It's likening it to a mirror. The things I think about is, <laughs> when I'm thinking about it, a mirror, where would we be without mirrors? Where would we be? How, I want to ask you, how do you know what color your eyes are? someone else tell you what they were? How did you know that, that what they were right? What color? How do you know? what you look like. How do you know if, you, uh, if your eyebrows are looking a bit scary and they need some attention? <laughs> Fellas, we know, right? We look in the mirror. How do you know if the hairdresser has made you look, look like a model or a marsupial? <laughs> How do you know? A good hairdresser will give you the mirror or you're sitting in front of the mirror the whole time, so that at the end of it, you're like, ah, great. I'm happy with what's happened here. (laughs) Who's come out of the hairdresser looking a bit like a marsupial? I'm going to put my hand up and say, I have been to some bad hairdressers. And if you see that reflection, actually one time, dad gave me a haircut. (laughs) Uh, And there was no mirror in the process of that. And uh, I, I went, went to the mirror and was instantly horrified. Oh, man. Just, I was excited. Come to the mirror, instant tears. <laughs> what, what have you made? I have to turn up to school like this. I can't hide this. I, I look like a marsupial. The response when we see something in a mirror that we don't like is, change it. We need to fix this. We need to change it. <laughs> and this passage in James is describing the Bible, the Word, just like a mirror. It's drawing the comparison between someone who hears the Word and doesn't, uh, doesn't do anything with someone who sees what they look like and immediately forgets and walks away. You see what you look like and you see something that needs changing and you immediately walk away and forget about it, you're probably not going to change it, are you? God has given us an active part to play in our walk with Him. Not a passive part, an active role. We have an active role in our own life. I know that might be shocking. But we are to be doers, using the word like a mirror. And we look into it, we see what he has designed us to be, we see what he has got for us, what our heart should look like, what our response should be, and then we look at ourselves and go, how how am I different to that? Hmm. So often we can be concerned as Christians about what we look like on the outside, though. What things appear to be on the surface. We're either concerned about how our, li- our lives look like to other people or we're overly concerned about someone else, how they look, how, what, what's wrong, how other people's lives don't measure up. That's an easy place to slip into because all we can see generally is the outside. If we're looking in the natural at someone or ourselves, we only see the outside but the Bible is so clear, and it says it over and over and over and over again. What matters is our heart, our inner man. But what that looks like, I often think people are like trees. I like analogies. I like pictures. And I'm going to draw an analogy between people and trees this morning. Uh, a tree, if it's or a plant, if it has droopy or shriveled leaves, where's the origin of the problem? The origin is not in the leaves, is it? The prob- you, you can see there's a problem because of the leaves, but the leaves are not the problem. They're the symptom of the actual problem. They're just telling you that there's a problem somewhere else. It's roots. It's the roots that aren't getting enough water. That's the issue. So uh, when it comes to... Let's just read it. Let's go. Matthew 2. Uh, 23. Let's turn to Matthew 23. Hmm. Matthew 23 and uh, starting at verse 25. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And he says... Uh, Let's go back a step. Mm, 23. 23 and 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. That would be rather uncomfortable. He's painting quite an extreme picture here. You are straining out the fly, smaller than a fly, a gnat, out of what you are consuming, but you're leaving the camel in there. Oh, my golly. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish but the inside but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence blind pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful on the outside outwardly but inside are full of dead men's bones and all unclean, uncleanness even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Man, if that's not a direct rebuke, I don't know what is. But Jesus is calling it as it is. He sa- These people had mastered the art of looking good. They had taken natural wisdom and, and uh, of what the law said to do, what God's word had told them, to be like, and they had neglected the root cause of what makes you look like that. They'd said, all right, if we need to look like this, then let's do that. But they had completely missed the point. Jesus called them blind hypocrites because they were full, filled with evil on the inside. Samuel, uh, Samuel, if you want to turn to there, Samuel 16 1 Samuel 16 says, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We've heard that scripture many times. That's the second part of verse 7. Samuel 16 verse 7. Romans 12 2. I'll just read it out. It says, uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. The work that God does in us, and don't be, don't be, uh, uh, don't kid yourself. God does the work, <laughs> but the work that He does is inside. It's inside, and that reveals itself outside. So let's look at a few common issues. Let's go outside in. A few common issues that we experience and people experience in church and where the problem lies. So I'm going I'm to just touch on one, one major part of our activity and our service. Worship. What we've just gone through. Worship. This is something we do in every gathering together in church. We worship. Some potential issues that people, and myself included, have experienced, people can be disengaged or disinterested. The common one, worship goes for too long. Why do we spend so much time in worship? It's a little bit boring. They might come in late intentionally because they're, oh, you know, too many songs. (laughs) I'm not much of a singer. It doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't do anything for me. You could uh, stand there daydreaming about what, what jobs you have to do in the afternoon, or what lunch is going to look like, or solve some challenges. Great, I've got a bit of time here in worship. What can I what can I think about? What things can I solve? <laughs> you could even be frustrated in worship because you, you you've heard you know people say things about experiencing God, and and it's frustrating. Because we spend this so much time here and I don't feel a thing. I don't feel anything. People said you're supposed to. Frustrating. I have been there, I can guarantee you. I've grown up in church, I've experienced nearly everything, every issue, and God has taken me on the journey through everything in worship. I've been frustrated, I've been disengaged. But God, thank the Lord, has taken me on a journey. So my, my first question to someone who would come to me and say, look, worship just doesn't do anything for me. Why do you spend so much time in worship? I say, where's, where's your focus? What are you focusing on in worship? And the second one is, what, what are you expecting? What are your expectations when you come into worship? <laughs> so let's look at focus. There are only really two areas that you can uh, give your focus to when you're in worship. That is either yourself, at a high level, it's either yourself or God. You can either direct your focus towards yourself or you can direct your focus towards God. Um, And you can probably guess (laughs) which one I'm going to say is the right one, right? (laughs) Um, It might be number two. But what you may not realize is the effect that each focus will have on your experience. You can know in principle, oh yeah, I've got to focus on God. That's, that's, how do I do that? <laughs> what does that mean? What does that even mean? Webster's Dictionary defines worship as to, one, the first definition is to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. To honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. And the second definition is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. The word, the first time worship is mentioned in in the Bible, the, the word there actually means to bow down or to be low, to get low to bow down. Worship is, is actually at its core, it's part of our service. <laughs> it's part of our service, that is our service to God. This part is our gift and our sacrifice to God. Um, to just expand on what, what that actually looks like, What the Word says about this. Let's go Genesis 22. Genesis 22. And right at the start of that chapter in verse 2. Start in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham... And Abraham said, here I am. (laughs) Verse 2, it says, Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, And took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4 says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The the lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we'll come back to you. (laughs) I'm sure we've all heard many... Wonderful sermons on this, on this uh, passage. But what I want to pull out is what God told him to do and what he said he was going to do. God told him to go offer a sacrifice. And he said to his, the servants that were with him, I'm going to worship. In this scenario, his, what his worship looked like, it was a sacrifice. That was worship. God told him sacrifice. He went up with the intention to make a sacrifice, and he called that his worship. So when we bring that back to uh, back to our experience in our worship, worship is not singing songs. That's not the core element of worship. It is not our lifting our voice, while that is very integral and part of it. Worship is our sacrifice. What do we bring through our singing, through our song? What are we bringing as a sacrifice? True worship is about giving to God, not seeking what you can get from him. It's about giving. <laughs> um, this kind of came to me while I was, while I was uh, preparing. It's the idea of vending machine worship. And this is where the frustration that I experienced when I was younger came from. I had had great experiences in worship. I had felt God. I had amazing things that happened in worship. But then sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I wouldn't feel the, the height of the experience that I had before. And I got frustrated because I was like, Lord, it was like standing in front of a vending machine. You, you put in the dollars and it doesn't spit out the thing that you paid for. And you kick it, oh, I, I came here expecting a Kit Kat. I came here expecting a Kit Kat and you haven't given it to me. That was the approach that I had in worship with God. I know that there is an experience here. Lord, why isn't it happening? <laughs> My focus in that moment was on me, what I was going to get, what I was going to get. But both things were true, right? I, God had given me excellent experiences. I had met him in worship. And that's what it's, the design completely is. In that, in that moment, we are able to experience God. But how? It's 100% not by focusing on ourselves. A God-focused approach to worship is when you give of yourself to God as a spiritual sacrifice. (laughs) And great things, great things are are available there, and I'm going to unpack that in a second. But God-focused worship, what does it sound like? What does it look like? What is that heart attitude of God-focused worship? It sounds like... God, I need you to know how important you are to me. Lord, I am in awe of you. Lord, would you accept all that I am, the good, the bad, the ugly. I take everything that I am. I show you all of it, and I put it on the sacrifice. I put it on the altar to sacrifice to you. Lord, you are so faithful. You are so trustworthy. Lord, I adore you. God, I don't care what anyone else thinks about me. I need you to know how I feel about you. That's God-focused worship. Um, Let's turn over to John 4. Gospel of John. John 4. And verse nineteen. And it says John four, verse nineteen. This is um Jesus at the at the well with the uh Samaritan woman. says in verse 19, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) He had just said some baffling things to her. But she goes on and she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that it is in Jerusalem, that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And look at what Jesus said to her. Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither In spirit and truth, she was asking, you know, outwardly, like you're supposed to go here, you're supposed to go there. Like, give me an answer to this. Like, this is something I'm struggling with. (laughs) This is where we believe that we we should worship, and and you Jews say Jerusalem, you need to go there to worship. It was an outward focus, it was a natural focus, but what what God uh, Jesus is saying here is that. The time was coming (laughs) that he was ushering in when worship was from our heart. That it was a spiritual activity that we could do anywhere. Worship is a spiritual activity. It's not singing songs, as I said before. The songs are the vehicle that help us give worship. Worship comes from our spirit. And it does not come from our mouth. It comes out of our mouth, (laughs) from our spirit. We often measure the success of our worship by the experience of him. And I sort of mentioned that a little bit. Did we feel his presence? Did we hear his voice? But the funny thing is that when we are less focused on ourselves and more focused on thanking, blessing him, being vulnerable before him, giving to him that that's when we experience his presence and all the wonderful things that happen in that environment. <laughs> hmm. It is true that a self-centered attitude is the best way to limit your experience of God. And I'm I'm not putting God in a box. He can he does he does whatever he wants to do. But a self-centered attitude in my experience, is still the best way to limit your experience of God. It's not about you, it's about Him. But here's the truth intention. Worship requires the authentic and wholehearted sacrifice of you. You can't ignore yourself in worship to God because you are the sacrifice. The gifts that you have to give God, that He truly cares about, are contained within your heart and your spirit. You can't truly worship God without searching within yourself for something to give to Him. When you make your worship about Him, I mean authentically, pour out your heart as a spiritual sacrifice, then you're going to experience more of God than you ever thought possible. <laughs> so let's go back to experience, uh, expectation of experience. What are you expecting? What are you expecting is possible? I just wanted to share like a short list of what God has given me as experiences in worship. Now, these things are available for everybody. And I find it so funny that, you know, we, we worship God who is a spirit. And he's told us to worship him in spirit. And yet so many Christians don't believe that they will have a spiritual, supernatural experience in worship. How, 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 what? How does that work? You are encountering a supernatural being. You are giving a spiritual sacrifice to the spirit. Why are you not expecting a spiritual experience? Um, it just baffles me. But what God? A couple of things that God has has experiences that God's given me. I've seen in worship. I've seen visions of what's happening in the spirit realm. I've had dreams and pictures of my future. I've physically heard the sound of angels singing in the room. I've been given a word for other people, or a picture for other people. See what God has, is speaking over someone else. The Holy Spirit putting me on like a glove, literally. <laughs> I, have, I was standing here in, in worship when I was on the worship team back in the day and I, I was seeking him and I felt him lead my steps, move me. <laughs> and I ended up down the back there praying for someone. I've experienced time completely disappearing. I remember... Uh, in a you know I think it was a without walls worship uh, meeting, and I was laying on the ground, I was floored <laughs> and and I kind of you know everything started wrapping up, and I thought I was there for ten minutes, you know roughly I was like man that was that was pretty quick, but Craig, my friend who is next to me um, praying with me, he told me we we're there for two hours. Two hours? I was in the same place for two hours and I didn't even realize it. I've felt the bolts of electricity going through my body, what feels like energy being pumped through me. I was in in 2013, I went to uh, with the worship team to Bethel and we, it was in one of the meetings there. I wasn't really feeling anything, but, uh, but God said, Go into the aisle and lay down on the floor. I've got something to give you. Um, and, you know, sometimes sometimes we can hear God leading us in a direction. We go, that sounds a bit weird. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the fact that I was at Bethel made it much easier, and I didn't really care what people thought anyway. So I went, I went and laid down in the aisle, and it was like... It was like I was laying in a pool of water and he stuck an exposed electrical cord in it. And I was literally like pulsing. Man, it was full on. (laughs) But wonderful, wonderful. I've felt paralyzed before, like I can't speak. I felt God hold my hand, physically hold my hands. (laughs) I felt his touch on my hand. In worship, one time, I had just gone through a breakup. I've only been through two in my life. How, good, how blessed am I? <laughs> a relationship breakdown. And uh, it was a long-term relationship. Many of you probably know. Uh, four years I was with this girl, and, and uh, my heart was hurting. It was hurting. And i just I just went to the Lord with that. that became my sacrifice. I said, "God, I don't know what to do. My heart's broken, and I know you're the only one who can fix it and so I put on some worship. it was like the middle of the day at mum and dad's place, and no one else was home and I put some worship music on and I just I remember I was just bent over on the on the ottoman. <laughs> and I could feel, I could see it in the spirit and I could feel God doing open heart surgery on me. And that lasted for a couple of hours. And I got up from that and I felt completely healed, fully whole. The damage that I had felt in my heart and, and the, the trauma that was happening in there was completely gone. Only God. Only God. I want to ask you, what do you expect when you come into worship? What are you expecting? Um, those, that list of things, I've experienced many more things in worship. And that, well, you, often a, a, an area of uh, that we have issue with as people, as we go, you know, why would God do that? Or where's, you know, where's, where's that in the word? <laughs> um, we put limits around our expectation of what God can do, what he wants to do, what he's able to do. Whew. When you think about that, how on earth do we expect to come to God and say what he can and can't do. Pfft. Wow. What gives us the place to come to before the Father and say, this is what you can and can't do with me. No way. <sighs> hmm. And the things that I've experienced and I haven't yet to, I've not yet to experience all of the experiences that God <laughs> wants to do, wants to give us, wants to experience with us. They're all available for everybody. No one's, no one's special and qualified in any different area. They're all available for every single person. God is not a respecter of persons. Ha, ha, ha. But why, if that is true, then why doesn't everybody experience wonderful things in worship? Supernatural experiences. Why is that the case? I think a good place to start is focus and expectation. I believe that one of the big reasons that I've had so many spiritual experiences in worship is that because... I never put any limits on my experience or my expectation of what God can do. I come in knowing that He is the God that created everything. I have no idea what He's going to do. I don't presume to know what He can and can't do, but I'm expecting that He's going to do something. I'm expecting that He's going to do something. And He's taught me, how to focus on him rather than myself. <laughs> hmm. Psalm 100 gives us great, great instructions, a bit of a model to follow. People love just being told what to do. Just tell me what to do to get the outcome. It's like the vending machine. Just tell me how much it costs. I'll put the money in. I'll get the chips. It doesn't quite work like that, but God is so gracious and merciful that he, he, you dig into his word and you'll find many, many examples of, how, uh, of heart attitudes, of things that you can adopt and go, all right, if I make that my, my sacrifice, if that, I make that my heart's desire, he gives us little pathways into him. Psalm 100 and uh, verse 2 says, Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name for he for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting it never ends it never ends and his truth endures to all generations that is good instructions that is a good pathway into his presence so i want to encourage you that if you have Uh, that if your experience in worship is that it just doesn't do it for you, (laughs) it doesn't do anything for you, then let's be brave and ask ourselves, okay, why? What am I focusing on? What am I expecting? But not so that we can engineer the outcome, not so that we can fix the problem, but we can bring it to the Lord, look into the Word, and let Him actually change something in us. Let him speak truth into our hearts because it is not us that changes or builds us. What does Psalm 100 say? For it's he who made us, not we ourselves. We didn't make us, so we can't grow us. We are the work of his hand and he is building his church. He is building us. So let's bring that challenge. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubt or your, your, uh, your lack of experience. If you struggle asking yourself questions, then ask God and he'll tell you. Let the word be your mirror and let God change you from the inside out. And your experience, I can guarantee you, will change if you submit to his working. So in summary... It's kind of three things that I presented this morning. The word is a mirror that's just waiting there to be used. God's the one that changes us and he starts from the inside, not the outside. He starts from the inside and that flows out. And there are new and powerful experiences in worship available for every single person when we focus on him and expect that he's going to do what he can do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Father, we are in awe of you. Lord, would you bring us into experiences in you that just show us how in awe we really should be. Lord, we just submit to your work in us. And Father, we take We eagerly take the step to look inside and give you something as a sacrifice. Lord, we lay ourselves on the altar. and Lord, I just ask that you help each and every one of us learn and discover what that means for us, what that looks like for us, so that we can continually come before you in worship and meet you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. And everyone said, "Amen." <laughs> if you get a chance, just a little proud dad spooking moment. If you get a chance, ask Quinn to say "Amen." It'll be the cutest thing you hear all day. Heard so it this morning. All those who were here for the prayer beforehand—that's <laughs> next level.
3: I heard it this morning, Caleb, and it was very cute. (laughs) Uh, We're just going to have time of communion. If you haven't haven't got the things that the little cup and biscuit, if you'd like to go and get that, that'd be great. Thank you, Caleb. It's nice how they look after you isn't it uh, so I was thinking about communion um I just felt that um there was uh, just a very very easy very short word for somebody or some people here this morning. And the word that I was focusing on was the word peace. And I just felt God said peace to me, but God wanted to say peace to some other people this morning. Just peace. And uh, as I began to think about it, um, I just had a couple of little scriptures. One was um, in John 14, and where Jesus, the last thing that he instruction or in the last instructions that he gave before he went to the cross he said my peace I leave with you my peace I give unto you not as the world gives I give it but my peace I give to you what a what a thing to say just before he knew what would happen um yeah amazing and then the other scripture that that uh, I was reminded of was uh In Philippians 4 7, it talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding. It transcends all human understanding and will keep or guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. And um, I just felt that God was saying, Yeah, it's my peace and it'll guard your heart and your mind. Whatever you're going through, I give my peace to you. So I'm speaking peace to you today. And I was thinking about the time when Jesus stilled the storm. I just love that story. <laughs> you know uh, I love it because of I every time I read it something else pops out, which is great about God's word, isn't it? But you know, his disciples he said to them, Let's go to the other side. And they hopped in the boat and they went and you know that a storm arose. And uh and he was just sleeping. In the boat, in the middle of the storm. That's what he wants us to do. Yeah. Yes. Rest yes. in the middle of the storm. Yeah. Have his peace yeah. in the middle of the storm. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and you know... <laughs> if they'd really thought about it and they didn't because they, they they obviously thought they were going to drown and that was the thing that was just coming at their mind and at their heart, we're going to drown, we're going to drown. But if they'd thought about it and listened to the promise that, it God, that Jesus had said, he said, we're going to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. But the circumstances were so ferocious that they forgot the promise. Yeah, so, cool. so I just felt God was saying, hey... I've given promises to you. Every one of us have got promises. Don't get so afraid of what's happening or so into a situation where you're walking by fear and you've lost focus on your promise. Remember my promises. I've said them. If God said them, if Jesus said them, how much? This is just going to happen, isn't it? But we can't blame them. We know probably what we'd be doing too. But, you know, it says in the Passion Translation that this storm was a demonic storm that was coming against them because Jesus was about to go onto another island and deal with a spiritual force. If you remember the story of Legion, he was about to go and deal with something and they knew it. Now I was thinking if you said to somebody, just a natural storm, this is demonic, they'd probably say. But it's really interesting, isn't it? This storm was demonic in nature because it wanted to prevent Jesus and his followers dealing with something that had to be dealt with and was dealt with. Uh, And... um, so I, I just um, wanted to say that word peace, just, be, just have God's peace this morning. And it says when, um, you know, they said to them, Jesus, don't you care about us? What a silly thing to say. I guess we've all said it, though, haven't we, somehow? Yeah. Don't you care about me? Look what I'm going through. Of course, he cared about them. Always cared about them. That scripture that... Um, Caleb was, God is good. He's good all the time. He only has good things for us. Of course he cares about us. Don't you care about us? And it says that Jesus said, he stood up. I don't know if it said he stood up, but it says, he said to the wind on the waves and the storm, peace, be still. And the Passion Translation says, the word actually means submit to God's will. He said to that storm, he spoke it to that storm, Submit to God's will. Peace be still. And uh, so I'd just like to encourage you today, if you have a circumstances or something that you're in that it just feels so tempestuous, um, so ferocious, um, just remember the story, Jesus stilling the storm. He's in the boat and he's saying to you, peace. Remember the promise. I do care, peace, just Peace. So let's just take the bread this morning. I'd like to just stand up if you could, if you can. Just stand up and just focus. Jesus, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you're always good. We thank you that you have always our best in mind. Lord, we just thank you that we we can come to you this morning and stand before you and say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the broken body of Jesus that cleanses us Uh, from sin and heals our body we just thank you for what he's done on the cross in Jesus name let's just partake and the cup too if you haven't already just take the cup and partake thank you Lord you may be seated
4: Yeah, well, there was plenty there uh, given to us. Uh, plenty to reflect on. Um, yeah. I've got to think about what I've got to say now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, just as um, Caleb was speaking, he already mentioned it. But, um, yeah, every morning we get up and we all have a look in the mirror. And we have a look at ourselves. But every morning do we actually have a look at our spiritual mirror. (laughs) So I would encourage us to all have a a look in the spiritual mirror and see what we need to change. Um, So with that, yeah, we'll have a look at, uh, see what's going on for the week. So yeah, we've... uh, Got uh, coffee for the parents and the playgroup here on, uh, well, tomorrow morning. Then, uh, yeah, ladies are getting together at uh, Coral's Place, 7.30, so do whatever they're going to (laughs) do. That's on Tuesday. Wednesday night, we've uh, got our corporate prayer meeting here in the auditorium. Great night to come to. Things happen. Um, yep, Thursday mornings. We're uh, yeah, over in the William Room. We've got a prayer meeting for the school. That's at 9.30. And then, uh, yeah. Oh, sheet says 9.30. <laughs> but 9, yeah, okay. We'll go with that. Uh, and Friday, straight after school, we've got the youth here with Mel. And her team. Uh, and by all accounts, there's some stuff happening there as well. Yep, so that's uh, our weekly stuff, and uh, I would encourage you to uh, get along to something there. We probably can't do everything, but yeah, well, let's see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> and unless and you can, if you want to serve. Um, was it uh, May 27th, Saturday? May 27th, there's a uh, National Day of Prayer and Fasting. There's stuff happening in different locations around the country and online. So jump onto uh, Australia Praise website. Uh, church camp coming up, 7th to the 9th of July out of Axdale. So there's, um, yeah, ways and means of uh, getting your cash across. There is the old-fashioned way and there's cards and tap your phone or your watch, whatever you want to do. But, yeah, uh, ask some people if you want to come along and, yeah, experience church in a different setting as we are the church. So, yeah, and, yeah, where we gather, God will turn up. So, yeah, just jump on and register yourself. Uh, um, there's a Facebook page. Need to speak to Coral or Mal about that if you want to jump on that. See how we go. And, yeah, for some of us that are challenged by technology. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm.
4: Yeah, so that's about all that's. Uh, Happening, so yeah. Oh, Mel's got one. Uh, just, just to finish, yeah, um, yeah. Again, let's honour our mothers and uh, yeah, yeah. Go and hug a mother, preferably one that you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, just encourage them. So have a good evening and a day, afternoon.
2: Hey, can we just say a really big thank you to the mums who helped get together during the week? We actually managed to bake 200 scones on Thursday night for all of our parents in the school um, community. So that was a really, really amazing blessing. I was saying to Tim, you know, we get to do stuff during the week because um, you guys release us to do that, and you don't always see the outcome of um, what you guys are sewing into. So, thank you. There was 200 sets of scones that were handed to um, unsuspecting mums in the car park on uh, Friday afternoon by our youth team, uh, which was fantastic. So, thank you. Um, You made that happen. You may... Some of you cooked them off with me. Some of you um, didn't this year, but don't worry. Next year's bigger and better. (laughs) Yes. Um... As you go into the foyer, I know it's Mother's Day, so you're all probably trying to run, but don't run too quickly because the kids out there have got flowers to hand you and chocolate. We do have coffee, so if you're hanging around, grab some of that. But enjoy your day. Go be blessed.
3: Even in just a smile they will feel false
2: love even in just